Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello, welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I am joined by the OG crew, Jihei Wiley and Armani Buckets. Jihei, how are you doing today? Probably better than Armand now that Jimmy Buckets is advanced. Mr. Mr. Mini Jordan over there. Do you wish he was still on on your team? Okay, so can we touch on this for, for like 30 <laughs> seconds? Because when Jimmy was traded, he was 27 years old, and I don't think anybody, anybody saw that this version of him existed. When you're 27, by the way, you are in your prime as Correct. an athlete. That you is improve. literally your prime years. 27 to 30 are your prime years to get the job done. So why would you trade somebody in their prime years? So other than I, other than the financial I think we all agree that the worst place to be in the NBA is where the middle the middle yeah so the Bulls right. were perennially in the middle and I understood the thought process at the time and I didn't think Jimmy could single-handedly lead a team to the finals obviously that was wrong obviously the process of it was wrong I just want to say though at least we didn't trade him for Robert Covington <laughs> Dario Saric Jared Bayless and I believe a first or second round pick that's what Minnesota got yeah. when they sent him to Philadelphia iconic moment there um, and by the way I also want to say uh, rest in peace to an American legend, American hero, Jerry Springer. That's right. Very sad news this morning. Or Yeah, it happened, uh, it happened this, it happened this, this morning. morning uh, Jerry Springer passing away. Jerry, Jerry. My mom is definitely going to be bummed when she I hears know. that. Yeah. She loves Jerry Springer. <laughs> Got to protect Maury. All right, yeah, so right. Let's start with this. The Lakers had an opportunity to close out their series against the Memphis Grizzlies in Game 5. Did not happen. I predicted that. I mean, it would have been an amazing thing if, if that series was done in 5. I think the Lakers will do it in 6, but they're in a very precarious position because I was telling Armani Buckets before the show, you know, I remember, um, you know, back in the day, high watermark for the Clippers is, you know, they uh, are going up against the Houston Rockets. They stole game one. Houston ties it up 2-2. The Clippers come back home to Los Angeles, win two straight. They take a 3-1 series lead, and Austin Rivers is doing the, you know, the cooking. And I mean, they, and that was the only time on my, on, during my uh, time on that beat where I, for a moment, for a day or two, said, this team might win a championship because people, people have to remember like as good as that team was that they were never in my view, like a top four team. They were never a championship team to me now. um, Okay. So they take that three, one series lead. I remember talking to doc and he said, yes, this is a, this is great, but this is not a normal three, one lead. And I said, like, explain yourself. Like, what do you mean? He said, if we don't close it out in five, 
we, we have to win it in six because game seven is going to be tough. So uh, they don't close it out in five, which is fine. No one on the Clippers were, was, was concerned when they didn't beat Houston in game five. Then they come back to game six and they take that famous 20-point lead in the second half. Josh Smith has, has the career game of a lifetime. The Houston Rockets can't miss. The Clippers can't make a shot. Um, and they lose. And when I tell you I had never been in a more defeated locker room pregame than that game seven in Houston, they had no chance to, to win that game. I don't think the Lakers would approach a game seven like that, but I'm just telling you, when you have a 3-1 series lead and you lose game five on the road and you come back to game six to close out and you lose that one, it is really hard to win a game seven. So as, as great as I felt about the Lakers and as much as I'm not worried about them losing in game five, the pressure's on them. They got to win game six. Kenny, the Jet Smith in the postgame show yesterday said something very telling. He said, what is going to change about the Lakers ability to defend John Morant and Desmond Bain? Are they going to be able to magically stay in front of these What's guys? What's changed, though? I mean, again, so you take a 3-1 lead when Ja goes. So, yeah, Ja missed, well, the last, ja missed one game. Yeah. Okay. The last two games, though, Morant and Bain have been basically... Very good. And, yeah. and game three as well for Morant, yeah. who was, you know, sensational at the end there. Um, I just, I feel like they're going to be able to get their points. Yeah. The difference in this game was the Grizzlies made their shots. And especially Luke Kennard. Um, I showed you a stat before the show. When you put Luke Kennard in the lineup instead of Dylan Brooks, their offensive rating is like 150. And then Dylan Brooks, it it goes down to ninety two. They're treating Dylan Brooks like he's Ben Simmons. It's, yeah, it's I mean, I mean, we all know that there he's in there for the defensive for his defensive prowess. He's not in there because his offensive rating is ridiculously high. Even still, though, I mean, the fact that he can't space the floor for them because you already have a center in Xavier Tillman who's not a shooter, so it's 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 really hard on their floor spacing. Morant is not known for his shooting. When you have another shooter out there, it really does change the dynamic of the team. And Dylan, he used to be a decent shooter. <laughs> like I, two years ago, he was twenty plus points in the playoffs per game, and that version of him just has disappeared. And his defense. That is, you're right, Jihei, that is his calling card. Even that's been, you know, I would say slightly above average. Not bad, but if that's what he's bringing you, slightly above average defense and no floor spacing, I think that, you know, if Luke Kennard is healthy, they do have to go to Luke Kennard as a starter in game six. And you're right, Arash. If they lose game six, if the Lakers lose, it's going to be really tough. You go up against the Grizzlies team that was the best team in the league at home. And you know to win this series, you do have to win one game there, which is hard to do, but you can do that. When you get that out of the way in game one, yes, you want to be greedy, but at the same time, you do have to realize it's hard to beat a team on the road in the postseason. So they got that one. I don't think that they get two. And I certainly don't think that they get it in game seven on a Sunday afternoon game where that place is just going to be like, if it goes to game seven, it's, 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 it's just it's not impossible. Listen, you got LeBron James, you got AD. If they're healthy, they have a chance. I think it'll be a great game. But they, I, I do not like the Lakers' chances to win that game seven. By the way, that my my pre-series prediction was Grizzlies in seven. I thought this would be a fantastic series. I did not think the Lakers could go into Memphis and win a game seven. Um, so the, again, I, I didn't predict them to be up three-one. So they got to find a way to close it out in game six. I have three major concerns with All the right. Lakers. Number one, Darvin Ham. 
just flat out yeah. Darvin Ham. Number two, as the series has gone along, their depth has kind of lessened. Guys yeah. like Troy Brown Jr., Malik Beasley are going in and not really contributing sure. anything. Now Dennis is kind of gone back yeah. to not contributing much. Rui's gone back to... Well, that's of, the major thing because when they've had success, he's played extremely well. And to be honest, like... The better than you can hope for him to play. So at some point in a seven-game series, he's going to re- regress back to the mean, I'm assuming. So, yeah, if Rui Hachimura is not playing the way he did when they won game one and the way that they he played during that the, the first four games of the series, it might be hard for them. And then third concern yeah. is the lack of rest and the mileage being put on LeBron That's James. That's the biggest issue. When you, uh, again, we sometimes view him as a superhuman, uh, but he is 38 years old, playing in his 40th season in the game where he had 20 points, 20 boards, first time in his entire career, 45 minutes. That's the problem for LeBron. And at some point, again, he's a human being. So when you play 45 minutes and you get 20 boards and 20 points, it's like, yeah, that's a great performance. But like, you think he's going to come back and pop back in two to two days? It's, it's really hard. We haven't seen this level of player at 38, really, I don't never. think, in history. We've never. Charles Barkley said something very telling. And I, Barkley was not at this level, but he he explained that when he was older, when he was in his mid-30s at some point, when he had a great game like LeBron with the 20 rebounds in Game 4, he said it took him like three to four games just to feel like he was back to physically being able to do that again. And as we know... We don't have three or four games. We don't. And it was, it, it, it's a different time when you look at Tom Brady, and I know totally different sports in terms of having like an offensive line to protect you and all that good stuff. But um, there's def- definitely ways LeBron can heal up at the same time. It is really tough. At, again, we've never seen anyone at this stage of their life or their career, again, 38 years old or in your 20th season, have this kind of production. So, yeah, listen, when he plays 45 minutes and gets 20 boards, gets 20 points, wins a game in overtime, it takes a lot out of you. So then you you, you hop on a plane and go to Tennessee, which again, like, you know, if you look at a map, it's not really in the West. So um, it's going to take him some time. Now, the hope is they listen, this is a game five was their listen, we'd like to win, but, you know, we, we have game six. And yes, you if you lose that, you do have a game seven, but that's a tricky one. I mean, game seven, as, as great as I think that that game could be, it could also be a blowout for the Grizzlies. I mean, I've just seen that kind of stuff happen before. It was interesting to me that you had multiple Grizzlies again post-game. You know, what are they supposed to say? I get it. Xavier Tillman said, yeah, we'll be here on Sunday for a Game 7. Desmond Bain saying the same thing. You have to, yeah. I get that you have to, but I... And I could be wrong, but I believe Baines was kind of unsolicited where he wasn't really asked a question. It was more like, you know, the confidence and the bravado again. But that's kind of what's been their downfall all season is I'm fine in the West. And all these comments that they've made kind of poking their chests out. I don't understand why they keep doing things. Well, listen, I I think when you are down 3-1 in a series, I think it's totally fine when you win game five to say, hey, guys. We'll we'll be back on Sunday. I think it's different 
Well, no, but I think you can kind of, like, clearly that they want to be back for a game seven, that they don't want to think that their season is coming to a close. That's a little different than Chill and Brooks saying LeBron's old. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is also a motivational factor. You got to yeah. stay motivated throughout the series, right? Exactly. Throughout any series, throughout any season, you know? So I think that this is probably maybe another way for them to motivate themselves to be like, no, nah, it's not over yet, guys. Like, we're still here. We're still thriving, whatever. So. Yeah, I, I don't have as much faith in the in the Grizzlies as much as you guys do. So, uh, I'm no, no. I'm, listen, I'm hoping that the Lakers win it in six. I mean, I, 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 my my pre-series prediction was Grizzlies in seven. I do think if it does go to Game Seven, I do think the Grizzlies win that game. But I gotta go with the Lakers. I mean, I just. Uh, by the way, how great would a Lakers Warriors series be? The the star power of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, who has a bromance with LeBron and AD <laughs> and all that good stuff. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. So hopefully that happens. Um, we do have to touch on this. I mean, I think we both agree that that for the Kings to win this series, they had to find a way to win Game Five at home. Series tied two two. They've been so good at home. The Warriors have been crap on the road this year but they've been fantastic at home so just from a let's see if this series can go seven perspective you you wanted the kings to find a way to win game five they lost it was a very very closely contested game your thoughts on that series now that it's warriors three two going back to san francisco with the warriors having a chance to cloak to close it out I agree with everything you said. Game five was really, really dire for Sacramento more than it was for Golden State. 100%. I just want to say, though, one of the reasons why I picked Sacramento to come out of the West and all those things is because of this team's grit and their moxie, led mm. by Mike Brown as a coach yeah. and then De'Aaron Fox as their star. De'Aaron did not have a good fourth quarter last night. He disappeared. Yeah. Um, but Malik Monk stepped up. Yeah. And that's kind of been the recipe for the Kings all season. And I think the spread on game six in Golden State is seven and a half Warriors. All I'm going to say is I'm not saying Sacramento is going to win. I think that they will cover the spread. I don't think they're going to go down and fold. No, no, no. I don't think it'll be a blowout. I mean, I think, listen, if if this historic season, again, for a team that's missed a playoff the past 16 years comes to a close, it's going to be a great game. I think a lot of people, though, think that that was Sacramento's nail in the coffin. I see. And I just, I think that this team's grit and t- mental toughness, they're not going to go down like that. Yeah. With that being said, though, that's kind of the one that you're like, oh, yeah, the Warriors are kind mm-hmm. of back to being Golden State. You had yeah. so many contributors from top down Draymond with 21 that points off yeah. the bench. And all this talk about, you know, from from Draymond to Clay, you know, guys are not good enough anymore. They're washed up. It's just not true. When you've, when you've been there, though, like you watch all that talk play out and you think it's hilarious because it's like, bro, like we've been in championships. We won four titles. Like People that's crazy. did this last year. Yeah. They had a stretch in, in February, March, April where Curry got hurt and they stunk. And then everybody was like, it's over for yeah. Golden State. And I was very skeptical. <laughs> And then they won the championship. And then again this year, because of their road record, because of you know factors that were out of their control, like Wiggins leaving, Wiggins was hurt earlier in the season, Clay getting back to form. Everybody was skeptical, and it's like they are the Warriors for a reason. And their depth is amazing. They have you know defensive-minded players when they want them to be, like Gary Payton the second stepping in. Um, I just I don't know, and and I know we're going to talk about the Bucks. But now that the Bucks are gone, yeah, 
you got to kind of think that the Warriors have a chance well, here again. For the longest time, we said the West is wide open. When we said the West is wide open, because it was very clear that Milwaukee's the class of the league or the number one seed and the Celtics right behind them. So the West is wide open in terms of who will make it to the finals. But that's really just uh, the, the, the champion will either be the Milwaukee Bucks or the Boston Celtics. And now you have two things that are happening. The Bucks get eliminated in round one in five games as the one seed. And the Celtics, again, Atlanta didn't even think the Hawks would be playing a game <laughs> six. They, they scheduled a Janet Jackson concert for the night that they would have a game six. So now now uh, she, she's got to perform on Friday, whereas uh, the Hawks-Celtics game is on Thursday. Um the Celtics are pushed to game six. The Bucks are done in game five in the first round. Forget about the West. The league is wide open. League is absolutely wide open. This is what we talk about when we say parody. Yeah. And it's beautiful to see. Um, I am still shocked, though, that Milwaukee's out because I really thought That's that they were going to win the whole thing. Yeah. And it's just the way that it happened. It all happened so fast. Coach Bud is receiving a ton of yeah. Uh, criticism and rightfully so and we just saw one of the greatest individual performances that we will ever see in Jimmy Butler. Oh I think it was the second greatest performance. I think that 56 point game was his just initial but, 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 yeah, What an yeah, amazing overall. series yeah. though for yeah. Jimmy Butler. No no absolutely I mean you can't deny that kid anymore. You just can't you can't deny him anymore um, I just want to put this out there. You're not going to get that 20 point performance again from Draymond he averages 11 uh, yeah. a little over 11 points yeah. and nine boards and six assists during the during his whole entire playoff career so like in the playoffs this is what he normally would average which I'm, I'm not sneezing at this it's, yeah. those are still great numbers for Draymond Green who is an enforcer so I'm not I'm never going to put the Warriors out of um, contention ever again after last season Ever again. I think this is going to be a age before beauty kind of situation <laughs> where, you know, th their experience is going to show you so much more than uh, than anything else and than the youth or the depth or anything like that. They will come back. Um, I wanted to ask you both a question about this Heat team and what we just witnessed compared to the We Believe Warriors and what was more shocking for you guys, because I think that that Mavericks team won 65, 66 yeah. games. Dirk like won that. the most valuable player. And again, the most valuable player award at that point was generally awarded to the player in the second round. And it was, I think, maybe the first time in league history that the player received that at a press conference and not pregame or anything. Yeah. Like they were, and for the longest time, there was a hole at Oracle that was made by, I think, whether Dirk punched it or someone on the Mavericks punched it. But again, it was, it was it's very rare, obviously, as you know, like when G.A. and I were younger, Dikembe Mutombo holding the ball over his head after they beat the Seattle Supersonics. I mean, anytime a one beats an eight, it's, it's incredible. What this Heat team has that's a little different is now, I mean, not now, Jimmy Butler has been a star, but I think when you drop 56 and 46 or 40 like when you when you have the series he had he's a star he's a super star and your words he's super duper star where it's like well shoot if you have one of those and there's not a lot of those you can actually go on a run here cool. that well that was going to be my next question what is this what is the ceiling for this heat I, team I now because know. you play the well, Knicks. We just said the league is wide open yeah <laughs> so yeah. and they just beat the number one seed in five and by the reason that that's important like they went on the road and yeah, they and beat won. this team in five we, we just talked about how 
how I'm conceding a game five just because it's hard. Like LeBron, AD, the Lakers had a chance to put away a Grizzlies team that is good, but like they're not the Milwaukee Bucks. It's hard to do that. Heat or Knicks? I'll, I'll I'll stick with Mini Jordan all day, Jimmy Buckets, man. <laughs> I'm Jimmy going buckets. with the Heat. By the way, and I get that the Knicks have not had a lot of success recently. Did you see them like the, the Knicks fans take it I to the streets? It. I love it. I like, know they it's just want a championship. Why 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 do you love it? It's what been are, ten years. I know, but <laughs> yeah, but ain't nobody like nobody's celebrating in the streets right now that the Lakers who if have the, won it. I promise are, you, if the Lakers win, and again, they've they've you know. They won the championship in 2020, but like in terms of fans being there, have not been in the postseason with fans in 10 years. I promise you, there's not going to be a parade down Figueroa if they Correct. win the first round. Correct. But I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like the <laughs> Knicks fans are just so passionate. They are. I'm, I'm not mad at to them. To a fault. For, yeah. 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 Well, if you guys, you know, are going to be talking like this about the Knicks fans, you know, Jimmy is going to have something to say in a few days. So I can't wait to see what he does, because that's going to be the sideshow of the whole series is Jimmy. Real, real quick, as you brought it up pre-show, uh, the Clippers, right? They, they could have had Jimmy Butler or Tobias uh, Harris in uh, 2018. They, they didn't want to give up Tobias Harris. They didn't want to give up Jimmy Tobias Butler. Harris. I mean, why, Same thing why with the Sixers, by the way, who, who uh, chose yeah. Tobias Harris over what Jimmy. The heck are and we then even doing here? Jimmy famously said, Tobias Harris over me. Yeah. Tobias yeah. Harris over me. Oh, I love that. But man, what a, what an amazing postseason. Again, it's just the, the first round. Let's leave it there for now. We have a lot to touch on. So let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we'll be joined by our good friend, Nick Hamilton, who's covering all things in Los Angeles sports. When we come back right here on the Mightier 1090s of the California, the bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Still clown with the underground when we come around. Welcome back to the Rosh Markazi Show, presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 um, FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. If you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline, 310-400-0340. All right, let's go out to the Circus Sports guest hotline right now. By the way, Circus Sports having a crazy first-round NFL draft party. The uh, draft was last year in Vegas. It's in Kansas City this year. But let's go out to the Circus Sports guest hotline and join our good friend Nick Hamilton. Nick, how are you? Hey, man, living and breathing. How you all doing? We are living and breathing as well. Uh, Nick, before we talk about 
the draft. Although, listen, I mean, I, I don't know how much there is to talk about. The Rams don't have a pick. The Chargers have a late uh, pick. We got to talk about what's happening in the postseason. Let's start off with the Clippers just to kind of put a bow on their season. Um, listen, they, they, they began this season with a lot of expectations, with a lot of hope. Uh, the, the, the thinking was, hey, Kawhi's back, Paul George is healthy. Finally, these two guys can play together. We knew that there would be load management involved. However, what we could not have foreseen but has become a trend, Kawhi going down in the playoffs, Paul George goes down as well. So they go into the postseason or they go into their you know, games uh, three, four, and five, the most significant games of the season. No Kawhi, no Paul George. Uh, Nick, how do you view this season, and what can the Clippers do as they try to regroup? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I know there's a lot of talk about the Giannis. I don't want to use the anti-Giannis word, failure, but um, (laughs) this season was a failure. I mean, their expectations from preseason – what we thought they, this team could could definitely evolve into over the course of the season, and the level of expectation we thought this team could at least get back, or at least be in contention of getting back to the Western Conference Finals, especially with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, especially, uh, obviously, they acquired uh, the talents of Russell Westbrook, which we all thought, okay, hey, you got Russ. Russ is doing fits in pretty well with this team. Um, Marcus Morris Senior has been absolute trash uh, for the majority of the season. And so that didn't help matters. And then when Paul George unfortunately went down with that knee injury, um, did you still had some type of hope because you had Kawhi Leonard, uh, who was probably the, the last, I would say, six weeks of the season, had probably been the best offensive player, uh, even though he's known for his defense in, with that team. Um, and then when Kawhi goes down, um, you know, from my understanding, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of his teammates weren't, uh, weren't happy with him uh, as far as the, 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 the timing of the delivery of the news. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, it's unfortunate. And, you know, Kawhi Leonard is injury prone. We just have to face it. Like, Kawhi Leonard is injury prone. We talk about, you know, we used to talk about Glass Olden up in Portland. We used to talk about, a, you know, uh, guys that have been injured in, 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 in times past. We talked about Derrick Rose. You know, we, we how unfortunate Derrick Rose's injury, you know, kind of, shortened his career because we saw how great Derrick Rose was, was evolving into. Um, so injuries, you know, take away from it. Um, you know, I don't think the guy should be forced to retire, you know, uh, unlike what Stephen A. Smith has been yelling out the last couple of days. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, he should retire. But at the same time, um, Kawhi Leonard, the problem I have with Kawhi Leonard is the fact that he for the franchise. He does absolutely nothing for the franchise. Uh, he does. You don't. You see him sitting on the sidelines. He just sits there. He doesn't do anything spectacular. Um, he doesn't do anything that that really rallies the troops. He just kind of just robotic. And I think that's what a lot of people have an issue with. Is just when you see people like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was also injured in the series, but he was actually coaching up his teammates. He was actually standing up and cheering his teammates on. We see it from even Paul George. Paul George was when he, when he was injured, he would stand up and, and you know high five his teammates and really get involved. Uh, when LeBron was injured, when he would come to games, he'd be you know standing up and, and cheering his teammates on. But we don't see that from Kawhi Leonard. I think that's a huge problem for Clipper Nation as far as just being more involved in the franchise, being 
more of an ambassador to the franchise and being more involved with his teammates as it pertains to, you know, what you see on the sidelines. I think the guy's an incredibly hard worker. That's a lot of the players that you talk to say that's one thing. His work ethic is un- unmeasurable, um, which is a great thing. But unfortunately, he just can't stay healthy. So what do you do with the Los Angeles Clippers? Do you, I mean, you have one you have one more year with, left with this guy. Um, what do you do with him? Do you try to see if somebody will take a chance and bite on him? Or do you are you just feel like you're stuck with him because you know what you're absolutely going to get with Kawhi Leonard? You're not going to get a lot of games in the regular season. And you hope to God he doesn't sustain another injury, um, you know, in the playoffs where it counts the most. So I think the Clippers are pretty much stuck, and I think they're pretty much screwed with this guy. Yeah, I I completely agree with you, Nick. Um, My question was going to be about the other team, the Phoenix Suns. They were – I thought Devin Booker was obviously fantastic, but they they showed a lot of the flaws that people were concerned with with their depth and and those things in that series. How do you see this series against the Nuggets going? I think it's something. It's going to be somewhat similar. I think. I think. But I think the Phoenix Suns learn uh, somewhat from the series with the Clippers. Um, they don't have the depth that the Clippers had. If they had the depth that the Clippers had, they probably would have blew. They probably would have swept them, and they probably would have blown out. Blown out. You know, the Clippers just because of the depth. And I think that was the biggest issue for the Suns. I think the Suns have to know how to. I think Monty Williams, his rotations are going to be very key, especially. Uh, against Denver, who was the number one seed, who obviously is number one seed for a reason. Um, but I also think, too, that this is a four-headed ju- juggernaut that uh, obviously, um, you know, can can definitely make it a series. And I think, um, you know, I pick Phoenix in six in this series. I don't think Denver is the team that we all think they are. Ask you there for a second, as you were uh, talking about the d- depth of the Suns, that if the if the Suns had depth, this would have been a sweep. Oh, absolutely, it would have been a sweep. It would have been a sweep of the Clippers, and like I said, with the Denver Nuggets, I think it's going to be much more of a series. I think they're going to have to grind it out a lot more because this is going to be a more competitive series, especially with Jokic uh, in that front court. But I do, I did pick the Suns in six because I do, I don't think the Denver Nuggets are that team. I think they are a good team, but I don't think they're that team just because they're the number one seed. I think they have some some flaws in their armor as well, and I think it could be exposed if Monty Williams, uh, you know, buckles down and stays, you know, focused and disciplined on his rotations. I think his rotations are going to be key throughout this entire series. Yeah, I mean, it's it's was hoping for a longer run for the Clippers, but listen, I mean, you can't do to do anything when you when you don't have Kawhi and you don't have Paul George. Moving on to the other team in Los Angeles, as GK likes to call them, the Lakers. Um, Nick, they're up. They were up three one. They lost last night three two. Coming back to game six, and I'm telling everyone, this is the Lakers' game seven. They won their one game in Memphis. I don't think that they're in a position to lose game six. And I, I mean, that is a raucous crowd. It is the best home court advantage, I think, in the league. At least you know, in terms of the 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 number of wins that they had at home. Um, Nick. Your thoughts on the Lakers? It really comes down to this: if if they win Game Six, they advance. If they don't, Nick, as good as they have looked, I think their season comes to an end on Sunday. Oh, absolutely! I mean, LeBron played like absolute trash, and he admitted. I'm glad he was able to admit it because he did. Versus what we've seen in the last couple of games with LeBron, the way he's been able to elevate his style of play, the way he's been able to spark his teammates 
and really come on, really come on and really pour it on uh, the Memphis Grizzlies in games three and four. I think when you look at this Lakers team, first of all, let me give a lot of props to Austin Reeves. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. I think Austin Reeves has definitely been an X factor uh, in, in a lot of the, in a lot of a couple of games in this series, especially games three and four, uh, and even game one in Memphis. So I won't say that. Like I said, I think the Memphis Grizzlies are a young team. I think they have a lot of inexperiences, but I think they have also have gained some experience throughout this series as far as how to play. I think John Morant coming back was huge for them. I think John Morant trying to, you know, figuring out in game five, do or die. Hey, listen, guys, we got to step it up and we got to make sure we take, we, we force a game six back in Los Angeles. And now we have to go in Los Angeles and play and play to the very best of our ability because our season is on the brink. And I think that's what you're going to see. I think the Memphis Grizzlies have to be a, a, a much more disciplined team, not just defensively, but shot selection as well. We saw what had, what transpired in Game Three when when John Moran got his got his rhythm going, especially in that fourth quarter when he dropped twenty two of his forty five points. In that fourth quarter, he was absolutely unstoppable. And even LeBron admitted, "Hey man, this guy, this kid is great. Uh, we we couldn't stop him. Every time he would leap up, that's when he had the advantage. When he would we would take those leaps and bounds, that's when he had the advantage, and nobody could really guard him. I mean, it was almost a he can't guard me syndrome." Um, in game three. So they're going to have to t channel that same type of energy in, in the fourth quarter of game three and play it for all four quarters uh, in game six if they want to force a game seven back in Memphis. Uh, the Lakers are going to have to play like they played in games three and four. LeBron is going to have to have a major game. Anthony Davis cannot take time off. He cannot just sit around and wait for the the game to come to him, he's going to have to take the game by the horns and he's going to have to set the tone early and often, especially in that front court. The thing that concerns me about the Lakers is when AD does sit down, there's no solid help in the in the paint. And that's when Memphis begins to exploit that mismatch, especially in the paint, um, as we saw in game five. So I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I think even though the fans are going to be into it, the Lakers have got to be able to buckle down and say, okay, do we want to advance to the second round? Do we want to game seven? Or are we going to go ahead and, and close out and take care of business and get some rest and move on and wait for the opponent, whether it be the Sacramento Kings or the Golden State Warriors? But they're going to definitely need that rest. Uh, you know, the grumpy old men need to go soak in the Epsom salt as long as they can before <laughs> they get to the next series. Um, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, Nick. Um, I do, however, want to know, you got to make a choice, man. Who is it tonight? Lakers or Memphis? Well, they're not playing well, tonight. No, no, sorry. Who is it tomorrow? It. Lakers or Memphis? I was thinking I had some plans. Oh, yeah, man. Right. I, you know, I got to stick. I got to stick with my prediction. I got to. I got to stick with the Grizzlies. I did say the Grizzlies were going to win the series. I got to stick with that prediction. So I'm gonna stay ten toes down. Listen, I mean, my my pre-series prediction was Grizzlies in seven. Our money buckets. What was I had your preseason six? So we'll see. I mean, that that's not gonna happen. It could yeah. be Grizzlies in seven. Um. I'd hate to see that. Okay, G. What, what do you got? Grizzlies and seven? You're going to be shocked. Lakers and Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. I say Lakers and seven because wow. I think that they're. I That'd think, be a heck of a. I, I think Lakers and seven only because, yes, LeBron didn't play and he's letting the game come to him kind of thing. But man, that kid's still on a mission. And I call him a kid only because he's younger than me. But <laughs> <laughs> obviously, he ain't no kid. But like, I, I think because he's on that mission, like, he's. He could be unstoppable. No. And if the Lakers do win in seven, then it's going to be like, what, a two-day turnaround and then yeah. round two. And they got to so fly. They got to fly. Yeah. You know, if they close so, it out in five, 
they would have gotten rest and prepared for Golden State or Sacramento. Now we could look at a scenario where they have no rest right into round two. Nick, you're yes, uh, and, that's what I'm, and that's what I'm banking on. Right. No rest. <laughs> Nick, Let's that's go. been a great series to watch. Kings and the Warriors, your thoughts there. I mean, look, listen, I, I think the Kings had a chance there. Um, our money buckets was in line to have a nice payday if the Kings had come out of the West. But they had to finish. They had to do what they had to do at home. Now I think the Warriors probably close it out in six. Your thoughts on the, that series? Well, originally I had the Kings in six because I just felt like the Kings had a, yeah. just had a, such a special and dynamics, you know, regular season, um, especially the culture that was created by Mike Brown, who I, unanimously won coach of the year, which he should have. Uh, he was absolutely yeah. brilliant and phenomenal. Um, you saw the growth of De'Aaron Fox. You saw the the the, the addition of Malik Muck. You saw Sabonis grow as a player, um, especially even in this series. You saw, you know, what the, the, this Kings team, what they what they are able to do what they're able to force, especially defensively. Um, but the, you know, it, it took a time for the for the older the the older team uh, and the Warriors to kind of you know get started and get going. And once they got going, they're not stopping. And when you looked at Steph Curry, you saw the emergence of Jordan Poole finally in this series. Uh, you, you know, you saw you know Draymond was suspended for a game. The Warriors were able to take care of business without Draymond. And then when they got Draymond back, they were still able to take care of business. Um, and I think when you have the game six back in San Francisco at Chase Center, you talk about fan base, you talk about crowds, that Chase Center crowd rocks. And uh, they're going to definitely feed off the energy of that of that crowd. And I do think I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you. I think the Golden State Warriors do take care of business and they do uh, take care of business in game six. And they hope that the Lakers lose so they can go fly to Memphis and then have to fly to San Francisco to get ready for round two. Uh, and that plays into the Golden State Warriors' favorite because they don't have to travel. Uh, they get uh, the opportunity to uh, stay at home. And if, hey, who knows? Golden State could actually host the Western Conference Finals, if I'm not mistaken, if Phoenix dethrones the Denver Nuggets as yeah. the number one seed in the West. So who knows? It could be a return and a repeat uh, of last season where we see the Golden State Warriors actually make it back to the NBA Finals. But they, they it's going to be a, a tough task. But one series at a time. They got to get past uh, Game Six, and, this, and then the the hungry young lions, known as the Sacramento Kings. You know the number one seed, Milwaukee Bucks are out. So I'll give you guys really quick the updated odds, the futures at uh, Circus Sports. The Celtics are the favorites. Now, followed by the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Denver Nuggets, and then coming in is the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Nick. Your thoughts on the Bucks? I mean, Giannis went viral for the way he uh, responded to a very, listen, that's a fair question. When you're the number one seed and you lose in the first round, it's a fair question. Um, got to imagine LeBron would have been killed for, for a response like that. Your thoughts on that? Was it a failure? I mean, like, like when you're the number one seed and you lose in the first round, it kind of is, right? Arash, you know damn well this was a yeah. failure. You and, and Giannis know. That's why he came with that such political, you know, <laughs> intelligent and a very insightful answer. I, I give Giannis a lot of credit. It was a very yeah. insightful answer. I thought it was very well articulated. 
but I think people are condemning the reporter way too much. I think the reporter is absolutely correct and and why he asked the question, how he asked the question, because you're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. You are not supposed to be dethroned by a number eight seed who had to play in the playing tournament just to get a ticket to get into the, the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Um Unfortunately, Giannis was hurt during that series, and I think that also cost him an opportunity. But Giannis needs to understand, look, bro, your goal every season is to win a chip. And if the years that you don't win a chip, yes, it is a failure. Now, do you take, is it a loss? No, because you could take a lesson and say, hey, where did we go wrong? What didn't we do? What did we do too much of to be able to correct those things? So like he's, as Giannis said, next season, we'll come back. We'll be better. We'll get stronger. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll come out with a, with a new, a renewed passion and a renewed vengeance to come back and dominate in the NBA playoffs next season. But it is an absolute failure. I don't know what the hell Giannis was thinking about. Again, I love the answer. I think it's very insightful. I thought it was very well articulated. But look, bro, it's a failure. Just like I said, the Kawhi Leonard experiment for the Clippers is a failure. This is a failure for at least for this season when it comes to the luckiest champion known as Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's right. Uh, Nick, last question for you. Uh, This is a fun time of the year for pro football fans, even college football fans. You got the draft. It begins tonight, and it goes through the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Late pick for the Chargers, of course, because the Rams always trade their first-round picks. No first-round pick for the Rams. Your thoughts on... Well, let's loop in the Las Vegas Raiders as well, Nick. Your thoughts on the local teams that we that we cover here going into the draft? Well, I think, first of all, I think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be the top two quarterbacks taken. If you're the yeah. Houston, if you're the Houston Texans and you pass on either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, you have lost your damn mind. And I think D'Amico Ryans is an intelligent coach. I think he's going to do a great job. I think he's going to really establish a great culture. Uh, they gave him a six-year deal, which is going to take probably, that, that in, if not that entire time, very close to it to turn that franchise and that team around. But it's an offensive-driven league, and you absolutely have to start with that quarterback. And if you get one of those two quarterbacks, uh, whether you're Carolina or the Houston Texans, you're definitely going to put the, the franchise in, in, in a great situation where they can start to win ball games and eventually, hopefully, bring a Super Bowl championship uh, to one of those cities uh, in the near future. But when you look at the Las Vegas Raiders, I like the cornerback from Oregon. I think that uh, he fits that scheme pretty well. Um, so I, I think that I think the Raiders may go with that corner from Oregon. I forgot his name at the moment, so I apologize. Um, as far as the Chargers go, um, who know? I mean, they have a lot of – I mean, they could, be, they could go after a wide receiver. Um, you know, Jordan Addison out of USC, I know they were talking yeah. with him. Um, maybe the tight end out of Notre Dame because I know they need to tight end. Um, they need some sustainable pieces on offense. I'm not really concerned with their defense outside of J.C. Jackson because I think he's up and down like the stock exchange. Uh, so I don't have a lot of faith and trust in him. But um, I do think offensively they need to really get some pieces that really complement Justin Herbert moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fun draft. It's in Kansas City this year. It was a good time in Las Vegas. I mean, it's really become this signature tentpole event for the league where thousands of people are there. They have draft events, draft parties. Hopefully it comes back to Vegas. I'd like to see it at SoFi. It's just a, just a, it's, it's just, 
they they take over and uh, it, it went from being in a small ballroom in new york to now being a full-fledged event nick we will talk to you next week my friend that's all the time we have for today so until tomorrow this is arash markazi saying stay safe stay healthy this is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.